and technology increasingly affecting every aspect of our lives, it's important to understand how it affects us psychologically. Welcome to the Psychology of Technology podcast, where we look at how humans and machines collide. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Kareem Tawansi. And I'm Brett Raven. And today we're going to talk about the future of work. How are you, Brett? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, you know, summer's kicking in. It feels a little bit like we're heading into a rainy and wet day. But, you know, overall, um, life is yeah. good. Yeah, in theory, it's good. But is it really summer? Is it summer when, when you're in sunny Sydney and it's not sunny and it's raining? I find it interesting that in Australia, you're, the seasons start on the first of the month rather than during the equinox, like the 21st of the month, like the rest of the world does. So <laughs> I didn't know that's that. usually seasonal changes happen around the 21st of the month for an equinox. Sure. Oh, okay. But, uh, well, that's that's very unneat, isn't it? Uh, we, yeah. We've got to be neat. I know. You've got to keep it simple here. <laughs> I would do look forward to some, some proper sunny skies. But anyway, look, today I, I wanted to dig deep into the concept of the future of work. I think one of the things with the explosion of AI and, and the shift in where the workloads are being processed, it's an interesting topic that I think a lot of people have been worried about. Now, there's a lot of things that have changed my view in terms of how much I should worry. I know the likes of Elon Musk and Bill Gates have made some statements about their concerns. I think even, oh no, I was going to say potentially even Mark Zuckerberg, but I I think he has the opposite view. I sort of started off in the worrying camp, but now that I've sort of watched it play out a little bit, I'm moving a little bit to the not worrying camp. Not for now anyway. While AI has been very beneficial so far, and it's a great development in terms of technology, I think it's quite a way to go before we have to worry about the impact on our jobs from a holistic perspective. So what I mean by that is AI tends to work in very narrow fields. And so, for example, Google's AlphaGo is very good at playing that game, whatever it's called, you may know it, but it it wouldn't know how to coach a football team or to comfort a dying patient lying in a hospital bed. So it's going to be a while, I think, before AI can be doing things holistically, more like a, a living human being. What are your views on aligns kind of nicely with what I've felt really about AI for quite a long time. In fact, um, I've never really been worried about it because based on my experience with AI technology over the course of, you know, it's been around as a buzzword for as long as you and I've been in the career. And to me, AI is mostly about pattern pattern matching and, you know, trial and error effectively. So continue to learn based on patterns and make judgments based on patterns and then make recommendations based on patterns, which humans are good at sometimes innately. However, when it comes to consuming mass amounts of data to make more of a predictive outcome, you know, we're never going to be able to beat AI at that Point. But where I see things happening, you know, from a workforce perspective is a coexistence between AI and individuals. You're not necessarily going to replace radiologists, supplement a radiologist with an AI pattern matching capability to look at x-rays and MRIs and so on. I think is it going to be a huge boost. So the point you made or that you were driving to was things will change in the workforce. People, will, some jobs may not exist as they do now, but more jobs will be created. And we've been seeing this through the technology industry as the technology revolution has taken off anyway. I think we're aligned pretty much on there. I'm not worried. I'm excited. General AI is still a very long way off, in my view, and that's the one that I think Elon is. Yeah, but I mean, I think we've probably got a fifty to the seventy-year runway for that. I mean, if you look at technical jobs currently, I don't know. There's been ever as much of a shortage in our industry as there is right now. There is a bit of a evolution in terms of what is required in the say let's call it the software technology space there's a movement towards data engineers and data scientists and user experience professionals but software engineers are still in high demand in fact never hasn't been like this so i think we have a couple of decades of strong shift and right now if you're a taxi driver i wouldn't be particularly worried about my job now i know there's a whole bunch of work going on in autonomous cars but i think what that industry has proven is that two to five year horizon is is looking more like being a 
10 to 15 year horizon. So there's a lot of optimism with regards to how much AI can affect our life. But in reality, it's taking a lot longer. There's a lot more things to think about. So I think people have a, a reasonable runway to be thinking about their careers. For those that already have a career, I think it is worth starting to think about your career and which way it could be moving over the next three to, to 10 years. But if you're thinking about starting your career, well, there's plenty of opportunities, I think, to be training in areas that are going to become even more sought after than what the current situation is. Sorry, even yeah. more sought after. Sorry. Absolutely. I think uh, information workers, term that's been coined for you know a number of years now, and I think it's just going to get even more interesting, right? I, if I was to go back in time and go through university now, AI, natural language processing, you know, pattern matching, machine learning, all those things would be, you know, one of the areas I'd definitely dive into because it's just a fascinating area. But overall, the technology space, you're right, there's massive shortages. How do we how do we encourage people to get into the tech space now and, and pick up those jobs so we don't have as much of a shortage as we've got now? I think is the biggest concern for me, you know, aside from not worrying about it. I think interestingly, it's not just the information sector that is looking to change in the future. I think there's also some areas where I suppose the, the term of people is where soft skills are, are more prevalent that are also becoming more popular. And the examples are in, say, the care industries. Um, I know that from experience, people in the later years in life probably do not want to be, uh, not that I'm in my later years, I'm talking about my father, do not want to be looked after by a robot particularly. They really need that human touch. I also think there are a lot of other roles like psychologists and social workers and doctors and nurses. All those kind of roles are only going to get more and more sought after as as we progress as a species. So you can see it's not just in the area of technology, but there are a whole bunch of things that we are doing now that are quite repetitive, mundane. It's those kind of things that I think are going to be slowly phased out. And that kind of works for both parties if you think about it. If computers are happy to do those things, well, computers are not happy or not happy, or not happy that doesn't make any sense. But the computers are going to be doing those things and humans don't particularly like doing them. And that's, in a sense, a good match. So I think it's really important for people to be thinking when choosing careers and, and training, where are humans going to be more needed in the next, say, 10 to 20 years? So the other areas, I suppose, are also in certain aspects of manufacturing. So I was thinking about building. Are we going to get, I know that you can get a house printed now. Are we going to replace humans building homes and buildings in the next 10 years with computers? I don't personally think so, because I think there are so many exceptions and custom requirements that computers are not necessarily in an advantageous position to do them. So what do you think, Brent? Yeah, like there's lots of different industries that will be impacted ideally and potentially by AI and whether it displaces jobs on mass, I'm skeptical about still, I think. And you're right with the softer skills, especially the, the personal contact type jobs, that's really never going to go away, right? You always need to have that emotional human touch when it comes to everything from, you know, customer service. Like if we look at where AI is really pervasive in our life right now is going online and chatting with a chat bot when you're connecting to your latest telco supplier yeah, or- but Do you really like doing that though? Well, no, I don't. But that's the point, right? Is is they're very, um, they're still very dumb in many ways. Now, in theory, they should be able to answer and predict and guide and deflect the case that I'm trying to create. But in most cases, my experience has been pretty flat. Again, you still need at some point to hand off to a human being. So I'm not worried about that getting better and better over time. It will get better, but you're still going to need ha to have that that human touch because at some point, if a person is angry or upset with a supplier, then the last thing you want to do is have an AI walk through some robotic script to try and convince them that they shouldn't be angry. And then the question is, can AI emulate human interaction? I know people are working on that. I think at the end of the day, if it doesn't matter how good it gets. The question is, if I'm talking to an AI, because I know that people are working on AIs as like counselors and things, but do you really want to pour your heart out to a machine? 
Well, this kind of comes back to my point earlier around pattern matching, right? And, and what you're talking about is the Turing test. So I remember Alan Turing way back when, one of the original kind of logical thinkers around computers and so on. And, and uh, the Turing test is basically, can you can you be convinced that you're talking to either a human or a, a computer? Like if you can't tell the difference between the two, then it's past the test. But a lot of that comes down to pattern matching. So if you are pouring your heart out to uh, an AI psychologist, for example, it's looking for patterns in your language and then we'll revert back to you on, on suggestions or guidance and so on. But ultimately, a diagnosis and a treatment plan will have to come from a human. There might be recommendations that come out of that bot process, but that bot may be gathering enough information about the, about the patterns to be able to provide some insight into uh, a person's behavior or way of thinking. So uh, honestly, I really... I see it really supplemental to to a lot of professions around the world and it's, rather than replacing it's becoming it's going to become an amplifier. Look, I, I think I agree with that with the caveat that I, I would imagine that all that pattern matching, matching data or recommendations would go to the professional who then would use that to make recommendations or, or would use that to come up with their own diagnosis and their own treatment plan. I think it yeah. also raises the question about education and what's happening in our school system. We both are parents of kids in the primary school system. Do you think that our schools are currently geared up towards teaching our kids the things that they need to know when they sort of hit the workforce in sort of 10 years time? I don't, I don't think so yet, to be honest. I, I think it's nice to see them peppering in STEM through their course curriculum, but I still feel it's a little bit light on and still very optionated. So I'd love to see more of, you know, deep curriculum around things like, you know, a coding course, but part of the curriculum rather than part of the extra requirements. And, you know, we could debate a long time about the failings of uh, education systems and, and curricula around basic life skills, you know, everything from budgeting and finance to mortgages and all that kind of stuff, I think is really fundamental. Yeah, and communications missing, right? and relationship management and a whole yeah. bunch of stuff so i think there's room to grow there but i these things are like the titanic it takes a while to turn the ship and looks like the right moves are being put into place it's just you know how do we accelerate that process a bit more to a point where you know when you and i were in university we were learning stuff in university it was already outdated in the market so i'm really worried that that's going to be the case for our kids and that has to pick up in speed and it seems to be better for the most part in places like tertiary education but i'm not convinced that the primary and secondary education is there. yeah look i think with all of these things when we think about the future we can think optimistically or pessimistically but when we think about what's happening right now, it's never as bad as, I don't think it's bad as the naysayers may indicate it to be or worried about it to be. I'm not particularly worried about the near future. Where our species goes over the decades, that's a whole other thing. I mean, I think there's other things around wealth inequality and control that that brings that we should be thinking about more. Definitely, there's a there's a bit of a inequality around access to technology and so people in the in the developed world tend to have more of it in their lives and probably rely on it more and so does that mean that our children are automatically in a better position than people who are not um, blessed with the same kind of resources but these are all things that we really have to put into the mix yeah, I agree. You know, this is there's a much bigger conversation around the potential for AI, the potential for how it impacts things like education and healthcare and and so on. But you know, coming back to the original point, should we be worried? No, I don't think so. Should we look to artificial intelligence to enhance and make our jobs and lives easier? Well, hopefully, uh, you know, I think that's always been a promise of technology is to post make our lives easier and have shorter work days and have more time for the vocations in life that we really truly enjoy and spending time with family and so on. I haven't seen that happen yet. So hopefully, we we can use that kind of energy behind AI to make our lives a lot easier. And I guess that's the, the key point. Yes. Here. And with that key point and those wise words, once again, I'd like to bid you a farewell. And I hope that, you know, one thing, it's a shame that AI can't help our weather. Well, I'm sure it'll get there at some point. If you remember back to the future, they were able to control the yeah, weather. Well, hopefully <laughs> we'll get there so we can actually have the sun that summer promises us. So anyway, with that, I hope you have a lovely weekend and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>